It's Friday, which means it's time for another episode of Soccer from the Zoo's Kansas City Soccer Update. I'm Kyle Pinnell, coming at you from my dorm room at the University of Missouri, and really not a lot of soccer news to report anywhere, especially in America. We're going to go over sporting a little bit. There's some touch points there. Some Casey Woso things I'm going to go over, but a really relatively short episode tonight. Once again, I'm trying to stick to a schedule of trying to get something out every Friday, no matter what content there is or what is going on. So without further ado, I'm going to get started with Sporting Kansas City. And to, to open the show, it's it's been a relatively sad week in the Kansas City media scene with the recent deaths of Therese Paler on last Tuesday and Pedro Gomez last Monday. Both very beloved media figures who have really gone on to have national success. I'm not going to pretend like I've ever interacted with any of them, or, but I have consumed their work. And, and from everything I've read, just just a sobering week. So I wanted to start the show by just acknowledging two local media figures who played played a role in the lives of everyone they spoke to and taken too soon. And, and I know it's not the best transition, but I just wanted to start with that. And going getting into soccer... Um, on Monday around 1 o'clock Central Time, Major League Soccer and the Players Association agreed to a, to ratify the collective bargaining agreement, finally. I believe I talked about it on the last episode of the Kansas City Soccer Update. I've talked about it with Michael on Soccer from the Zoo. That's actually when it broke. I was recording live with Michael our last episode. And, and that's that's a good thing for the league. That's a good thing for the players not having to deal with what would have been a relatively or flat-out disastrous lockout of the Major League Soccer season. So just a little Cliff Notes version of it. This is going to extend the collective bargaining agreement to 2027. Uh, Major League Soccer conceded some free agency rights to the players, who will also get 100% of their salary. Again, this avoids a disastrous lockout. And going with that news, you got the Major League Soccer season which was originally, as of a few weeks ago, slated to start on April 3rd. That is now going to start on April 17th across the league. So the new start date, I believe team players can still report in late February, but you're looking at opening week starting on April 17th in Major League Soccer. So that's some exciting news that came about earlier in the week. And outside of that, it's just a bunch of the same things that I've talked about in the past and has been going around sporting Kansas City in the media scene. You have the signings of Felipe Gutierrez and and Gerso Fernandez, two players really their return up in the air along with Eric Hurtado. Really a lot of radio silence as far as Eric Hurtado goes, but there's been some reported news on Felipe Gutierrez and credit to the Blue Testament for Really compiling the information together, it was reported by El Mercurio in Chile uh, that Felipe Gutierrez is set to return to his former club, uh, Club Deportivo Universidad Católica. Is I probably butchered that, but his team back in Chile. So, kind of going over this, and a lot of it's been said in that article, and going through some of that information... It sounded like Sporting Kansas City wanted to renegotiate a contract with Felipe Gutierrez, one of its midfielders, and 
Gutierrez felt like the offer that Kansas City put on the table was below what he was worth. I think that's a simple way of putting it. I know Peter Vermees in a recent press conference, which was a couple of weeks ago now, talked about how those talks are still in progress. And, and again, these are just rumors, but more well-cemented rumors at this point. It sounds relatively likely. So Felipe Gutierrez, 19 goals and 5 assists in 52 appearances for Sporting Kansas City. The one thing with him is he has been relatively injury-prone. So I think that when the Sporting's thinking as far as what the offer was, as a designated player, it's vital for that player to change the team. You saw that with what Polito did last season. Of course, Johnny Russell um, makes his own name for himself there. Nobody has to second guess. Those are two solid designated play designated player signings for Sporting. And in Major League Soccer, where you're only allowed three designated player slots, it is crucial for a team to get them right. And you, you cannot rush the signing. A designated player spot is valuable, and it can take a team to new heights. That can get you another Allen Polito level player or whatever Kansas City wants to spend on or even not use it at all. So that's going to be the impact if Gutierrez, which sounds like more of a when than if, he he departs. So that's some news for the sporting midfield and some of the designated player ramifications. Of course, you got Gotti Kinda coming back and Roger Espinoza, of course, already in that midfield. Gianluca Busio's there. That sounds about what you're going to expect from sporting this season. And then outside of the midfield, you have Gerso, which the news has been relatively quiet. Some lesser rumors out there about Gerso, who uh, has not signed. Of course, Peter Vermees talked about the team extending an offer to him, um, and they haven't heard anything back. And it's looking by the day more and more likely that He's probably not going to be back with Sporting next season. So that's another hole at left wing. I know I've talked about it in the past and it's something worth looking further into. And I'm sure I can do an entire episode looking at that left wing position, looking at that attacking attacking area for Sporting and what needs to be done, what can be done, what options Peter Vermees has. And maybe that's something I'll do in a week or two. But for now, Gerso, lots of silence on him. Doesn't sound like he's coming back. And then Gutierrez most likely will not be returning. So outside of some of that player news, the last thing I wanted to touch on in Major League Soccer with Sporting is the change of the U.S. Open Cups format. That tournament is now going to kick off on May 4th and 5th. And it's going to be five rounds compared to eight. Um, It's going to be a two-month tournament. It's going to end in late June. And where a lot of the conversation lies is in how many teams are going to be participating. This is the point of the Open Cup. If you think about the FA Cup in England, right, you have a competition for quote-unquote little clubs, right? You got, um, I think, Maccabi something, Los Angeles or something has five Open Cups. It's not just a tournament for the sporting Kansas Cities of the world. It's not just for the LA Galaxies. It's for the Richmond Kickers, that type of team, USL League One. Some exciting runs. You saw Orlando City have an exciting run the other year. Uh, FC Cincinnati, before they joined MLS, had 
a great U.S. Open Cup run, it allows those sides that may not get the opportunity to ever play against an MLS caliber side to get those chances. And that's what makes it such a special tournament. And with 101 teams, now it's just going to be 24. And really that speaks to a larger fundamental issue that we have in America with development and U.S. soccer. And this is a tournament you want to bring in more more of those younger teams. I, I personally think that that's why this that's what makes this tournament great. If you're just going to throw in Sporting Kansas City, right? Chicago Fire, FC Dallas, Houston Dynamo, Orlando City, right? You're going to have MLS sides in there. But this tournament, while 99% of the time it's going to be won by an MLS side, it's not even for the team that wins. It's the fun of seeing a team like FC Cincinnati as a USL championship side beat the Chicago Fire. Those those games are what makes this competition so fun. And, and unfortunately, you're going to get less of that this year. So running through a little bit of the numbers, there's going to be eight MLS sides that are going to enter the competition on May 18th. There are going to be eight USL championship sides, two NISA sides, and this is kind of where you get to those smaller numbers, right? To get to that 24 instead of 101, that is nearly an 80-team difference. You have two USL League One sides, and, and then it kind of gets smaller from there. The entire competition is going to be broadcasted on ESPN+. Plus. So just to kind of end this by tying it in the sporting, this is a tournament that sporting hasn't been shy about going for. They've won it four times. Only two other teams in the history of this competition has won it five times. So sporting, they go all out. They last won it in 2017. Before they before that, they won it in 2015. And in Major League Soccer, you see teams that don't care about uh, the U.S. Open Cup. You see teams just benching their players. They, they're in all these other competitions. And now you add in the whatever this new tournament is with Liga Emekis, right? You have, I think it's Champions Cup. I don't even know. That was supposed to happen. It started like two years ago. There's so many random competitions. This is one of the oldest ones. And it doesn't mean a lot to a lot of teams, but it means a lot to those smaller teams who can make a run, the one or two that do it every year. And sporting, they've they've taken advantage of winning hardware. This is a path into the CONCACAF Champions League, which is a path potentially to the Club World Cup. Now, no MLS side has ever won uh, the CONCACAF Champions League, getting them a berth in the Club World Cup. But... Bayern Munich just defeated Tigres 1-0 the other day. Tigres is a CONCACAF side. They won the CONCACAF um, CONCACAF competition. That They got to play Bayern Munich. And, and that's something an MLS side, while Toronto FC's come closest, they've never got to experience playing some of those other teams from around the world. And that's going to continue every year until an MLS side can get over the hump. But a good place to start for teams that maybe don't have a chance at making making a deep run in MLS playoffs or or won't end up with a top seed. Not saying that's sporting at all because they finished number one in the West last season. Sporting will always finish up there. But this is a chance for any team to grab a hold of a CONCACAF Champions League spot. And that's just some of the reasons why this competition is so important. Whether it feels like it or not, it's just so unfortunate that they're condensing it that much. 
Now I'm going to end off this episode talking a little bit about Casey Woso. Not a lot really to discuss here. Um, from a team standpoint, you got season ticket deposits uh, are going to open up on February 19th. I believe that is next week. There's some billboards starting to pop up in the Kansas City metro area. Some excitement building for this team that will start competing soon in the season opening version of this Challenge Cup. So a lot of very exciting things happening there. The first step is that marketing, and you're seeing just a little bit of that marketing acumen in Kansas City right now prior to the season. There's been another call-up as well. Rachel Corsi has been called up to the Scotland national team uh, to play in international competitions. That's good for her. Kansas City has a few other players playing, whether it be in the She Believes tournament coming up soon or just international play. They have players all over the place. Now, unfortunately for um, Casey Woso, Ford Ariel Ship is out with a ruptured Achilles. And man, I really feel for her. That's an Achilles is a career altering injury, altering injury right there. Because even, even if she returns, and I have full expectations that she will, it, a lot of players don't come back the same. And it's so unfortunate for a player like Rachel, um, like Ariel Ship, who ruptured her Achilles this year. She tore her ACL in 2017 while playing for Washington Spirit. She's played 27 total games and have scored scored two goals, uh, both with the Washington Spirit. She was the Pac-12 Player of the Year at Cal, so she had such a promising college career. She's such a weapon, a dynamic offensive threat, a dynamic threat all around for Kansas City, and unfortunately she won't get to show that this season. The last thing here, there was a pretty fun story from Sean Goodwin of the Kansas City Star who I talked to on this very podcast the other week. He wrote a little bit about some of the international players. What I really got from that, Desiree Scott and Diana Matheson both play together on the Canadian national team. And apparently their nickname um, is Double D for Diana Matheson and Desiree Scott um, paired in the midfield. So there will be some great midfield chemistry for Kansas City. That's about all the news I have this Friday. Again, this is the Kansas City Soccer Update. Now, before I go, I, I do want to say I'm going to have a very exciting guest on next week. I'm very looking, very much looking forward to this interview. I interviewed, like I said, Sean Goodwin the other week. This time I have a Mizzou grad coming on. So be sure to stay tuned for that. You can find... Uh, the Kansas City Soccer Update, wherever you can find your podcast. We're now on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Anchor, on Spotify. And we will also, and by we, I mean Michael and I, Soccer from the Zoo, that will be coming to your podcast feed Sunday afternoon. But if you want to listen live, it will be live on kcou.fm or if you're in central Missouri, 88.1 FM. So that'll about do it. You can follow the podcast at Soccer at the Zoo. That's Z-O-U. You can follow myself at Kyle underscore Pinnell underscore. So listen to our show on, on Sunday. Be sure to stay tuned for this very exciting guest episode I have coming up. And that will about do it. Enjoy some soccer and be sure to stay warm during this frigid weekend in the Midwest.